We are in the final week of our, our series called, What in the World Am I Doing? So turn to somebody and say, what in the world are you doing? We're talking about God has this idea of God's will for our life. God has a purpose. He, he has a plan. What is, what's the reason for my existence on this planet? And, and what goes along with this series is our cause assessment. I encourage you to go online, take the cause assessment um, if you haven't done that, please do. It's right there on our homepage. It'll be tremendous, and it will help you a lot. Uh, but I want to open with some scripture. So let's go to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. At the end of the service, you can pick one up right here in the front, or you can go back to the Next Steps room. We'll make sure you get one there. Uh, or you can download a Bible on your mobile device uh, but we're going to be in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians. There's two letters here. We're going to go be in 2 Corinthians. And I'd invite you to stand as we uh, read this passage of Scripture and, and just follow along. Just listen to me. You don't have to look it up, but just listen to me as I begin to read this Scripture. 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, if you're new to the Bible or new to church, he came along after Jesus. He actually persecuted Christians, became a believer. And then went on to start churches all around the world. And this is one of the churches he started. He started several churches in this area called Corinth. And then he would write them letters. So the New Testament is really filled with a bunch of letters that were sent out to all of the churches. And this is one of the letters he sent out. And there were no, like, first or second. There was no chapter one, no, no verse numbers or anything like that. Just like a, a handwritten letter. And that all came along later. But we're going to be in verse 3. Okay, verse 3, and if you are following along, I'm in the New Living Translation. And Paul says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. And so in this moment that we have a few minutes to open your word and to and just talk about you. Would you meet with us? I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in this moment. And church, as we kind of do, uh, is our practice, if you would. You don't have to do this out loud, but let's pray for one another. You may know the people around you, but even if you don't, let's just pray. Pray for each other. Uh, pray that God would also open up your heart, that all distractions would be set aside. And, and then pray for me as your pastor that I'm going to be faithful to the text of what God wants to say and only what God wants us to, to hear today, in Jesus' name. And if you're ready to hear from him, give me a big amen. All right, you may be seated. So in this series, we've been kind of talking about this idea that as followers of Jesus, we are, we are called to take the hope of Jesus into the pain and the suffering of this world. And we all have a role to play in that. We have a, a part to play. And we, we are calling that your core cause. Okay, so that's just a fancy word that we use, but we all have a part, we all have a, a role, a position on the team that God wants for us. And so we've been going through each letter of the word cause, C-A-U-S-E. Let me give you a quick recap. If you haven't been here for the series, go listen to the podcast, okay? Um, the letter C stands for compassion. 
We talked about this holy discontent. What mess in the world messes with me? Then we talked about abilities. God has given us natural abilities. You were born with them. You have them. You're talented at something. And we talked about, I can be great at something because God has put something great in me. And then the letter U, we talked about personalities. You be you and I'll be me. And then last week we talked about spiritual gifts that Unlike natural abilities, spiritual gifts are given to you when you become a believer in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit bursts these gifts in you, and spiritual gifts are given for spiritual growth in you and those around you. So today, I want to talk about the final one, E, the letter E. And if you're a note taker, write this down. We're going to talk about this this word experiences, these experiences that God has for us in our lives. There are things that have happened in our lives, things that have happened for good, things that have been bad. Um, and events or experiences, they shape our lives. Some of these happen in our childhood, and some of them happen like in the last 48 hours. But experiences shape our lives. We've all had good experiences, good events in our past, maybe from your childhood or recently, something good that happened in your life. It was amazing, and, and something good came out of that. So here's what I want you to do. For, I want you to just take just less than 30 seconds. I want you to think in your mind, something good that has happened in your life. And it, and it really, you look back and you go, that was a significant event in my life. And it, it was really good. And I want you to share that just briefly, less than 30 seconds, with somebody sitting real close to you. Okay, ready? Go. All right, okay, all right, hold it. All right, so from this side over here, somebody uh, shout out what was somebody said, what was one of the good experiences somebody shared? Met my wife. They met your wife? Oh, you met your wife. Okay, I was like, man, this is crazy. We, want, we can pray to you after service. <laughs> all right, how about from this section, something good? Getting baptized. Yes, I remember the moment you got baptized. It was Pretty significant and pretty, we love baptism around here. Okay, how about over here, something significant that was good? Nothing good from this section, okay. All right. Having babies. Some people would say that's a significantly painful, awful experience. <laughs> yeah, all the women right now are like, what, what hospital were you in? When did you get your epidural? When did that happen? Because that was not my, my experience at all. No, having children is um, at least the birth part of it, and then you got to raise them, and then that turns into a whole nother experience, is it not? Yeah, come on, somebody. They will shape your life fast, will they not, <laughs> children? All right, okay, so there's, there's good experiences, but there's also painful experiences, difficulties and struggles that we go through in our lives. So I want you to think for just a moment, what's a painful experience you went through in your life? may have been in your childhood, it may have been in your teenage years, your adult years, but it was something painful and it, it, it really was significant and it shaped, shaped your life. Okay, you got it? I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to share just briefly what was that painful experience. Okay, go. All right, how about from this side over here, a painful experience that that happened in your life or that you somebody shared with you the loss of your dad and I'm so sorry who said that I am 
absolutely so sorry for that. That's when you lose somebody you love, that changes your life. We talked to one of the nurses uh, that is caring for Laura, and she lost her father to cancer at the age of 50, the same age that we are. It just changes the course of your life. Very, very painful, very difficult. How about from the middle section here, a painful event? Loss of eyesight for, for three days, but did get it back. Praise God for that, yes. But the loss of eyesight. We had a, uh, a young gentleman in our, our congregation this week that I got news of um, who lost sight in his left eye today, this week, and it cannot be repaired. Life changed forever in that event. We'll never be able to see out of that eye again. It's, how about this section over here? The loss of your son. Again, personal, tragic loss. What's interesting about whether it's a good experience or, or a painful experience, what I want us to kind of understand is experiences don't shape our lives. Experiences and events don't shape our lives. It's how we respond to them that shapes our lives. For instance, we talk about the loss of somebody that you, you love. When, somebody, when you lose somebody, and we've all know people who've lost someone in their lives significant to them. Uh, we've had loss in our own family as my son's mother-in-law was tragically died in an automobile accident a few weeks ago. And, and that changes the trajectory of your life. But what happens is you've all seen people like this. People suffer a significant loss of somebody they love, and it, and it spirals them into a series of poor choices and, and a dark cloud in life that they never can recover from. But then we've also seen people who, who have had a, a loss in their life, somebody close, maybe a spouse or a family member, and, and, and like this nurse I was talking to today, it actually, it actually encouraged her to do, to do something great for her life. And she, she, instead of spiraling into depression and loneliness and despair, it actually changed her life and she rose above that. So events and experiences, they don't shape our lives, but how we respond to them does. And what I, we're going to see here this morning in this passage of Scripture is that what God wants to do is he wants to take your experiences and he wants to use them for his greater purpose. Now, I think we all know of, uh, when you think about good experiences, how we kind of can grab a hold of, yeah, God can take something good that happened in my life and he can use that to impact the world for good. But I also want to say to you this morning that God can even take the most painful events in our lives and he can turn those for good to impact the world as well. But can we just be raw and real and honest? Because I think we need to be. Is that it's kind of easy for us to get that whole God takes good and uses it for good. But when it, when it comes to painful events, when it comes to loss, when it comes to these dark valleys that we walk through, it's hard for us as even followers of Jesus to sometimes wrap our heads around and say, how can God take a tragedy like that and use it for good? And that's what I want us to do today. We're going to spend just a few minutes talking about that. I don't want to talk just about the good experiences. I want to talk for a moment about painful experiences that we have in our lives. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, but before we do that, I want you to write this down, because I think this is what we're going to kind of focus on for the next few minutes. Your greatest pain can be used for God's greater purpose. Your greatest pain can be used for God's greater purpose. 
And Paul tells us this. He tells us how God can take painful experiences and how he can use them for good. Let's go back to the text, to the scripture, this letter he writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 3, where he just says this, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. I think the number one question that everybody asks is this, why am I here? Why do I exist? What's my purpose in life? But I think a very close second is why is there pain in this world? Why, why pain? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And I, I want to just say this. I think there are a lot of factors that play into that. A lot of factors. And, and I believe that all of them are very true. And I could give you a lot of those right now, but I don't want to do that. Because I think sometimes Christian cliches that we throw out are not helpful. Many of you are very privy to the pain that I've walked through personally and my family has walked through in the last two years. And I can tell you, when you go through the deepest and darkest valley of evil, Christian cliches don't work. So I want to say this to you. We've all had pain. We've all had struggles, and some of us, our valleys have been darker than others. And what I want to speak over you and say this, first of all, is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. This is an evil and ugly world. And I don't know all the answers. Man, I wish I could just throw some Christian cliche to you, Toss it up like a softball, we'd hit it out of the park, and we'd all be good. But the truth is, is I don't know because I'm not God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He just says, he basically says, I'm not God, I, we don't see as God, I see him perfectly. Um, a lot of different translations on this that say, you know, like I see through this dark glass or through this fog, and, and because I'm human, I can't see like God sees, and so I have to understand that I'm imperfect and I can't see things perfectly, but one day... When I see Jesus, everything will be made understood, and I will understand everything. And we need to understand that. We need to know that. But what I want to say to you today is this. Even when I've gone through the deepest, darkest pain in my life, I have always said through every painful event, even, even in the last 48 hours, the last three weeks, when I didn't know what the report was going to be, I simply just said, I trust you. I trust you. Why do I trust God? Because I think of what Paul says here. He's the God of mercy, not misery. He's the God and the source of comfort and not pain. This is the story of Jesus. This is who Jesus was. Jesus entered into our sinful world. And he didn't just scoot around pain, he went through pain himself. All the way through that pain, to a cross, to a resurrection. This is who God was. This is what I want to say to you, especially those of you who've been through a very, very dark valley that Christian cliches don't work for. I mean deep, dark ones that are confusing and crush you to the point where you don't feel you can go on. In those moments, what I want you to know is this. God is not standing by passively while that happened to you. 
God is not one who says, oh, here, let me, let me step aside. You just go on in there and you, you, you take care of your business, devil. And, and then he comes in sweeping in afterwards and go, hey, but I'm going to make good out of it. Okay, that is a sick and sadistic God that I'm not going to follow. Because that's not who God is. We have a messed up perception of who God is. As if God is passive in the pain. As if God is standing by waiting to become the hero. And I can tell you from my own personal pain, sometimes do you not ever ask the question, hey, I love it that God brings good out of pain, but where was he in the pain? Why didn't he do something before it happened? Why did it have to happen in the first place? And again, I know there's all kinds of circumstances and reasons, and I can give you those, and I can talk to you personally one-on-one because I believe there are things that happen and have transpired and the evil in this world and the brokenness and yada, 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 yada. But what I want to say to some of you today that you just desperately need to hear today is God was not standing by passively while that happened to you. It was happening to him while it was happening to you. Matthew chapter 25 helps us with that. He says this, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, in that passage, he's talking about good. He's talking about the good that happens. You do good for somebody, and and, and guess what? You did it for me. But the same applies if you reverse that. Guess what? When evil is done in this world, when evil befalls you or you do evil to someone, what God says, when you did it to them or it was done to you, guess what? It was done to me. So what is he saying in that moment? What he's saying is, listen, if you've gone through divorce... I wasn't standing by passively. I was going through it with you. I was the one going through divorce as well. And it was breaking me as well. When you went through a loss of a loved one, God doesn't stand by passively. He says, I'd enter into that with you. That's my child that's dying too. That's my child, my creation. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. It's not the way I created this world. And I mourn with you in that. Those of you that have experienced abuse, God did not stand by passively and just let that happen to you. You know what happened in that moment? God himself was being abused by evil, by someone who was perpetuating their evil upon them. And God was going through that abuse as well. That's the picture of the cross. That's the picture of Jesus entering into our pain, entering into our suffering, but overcoming it through the resurrection. That's our God. He doesn't leave us there at the crucifixion. He doesn't leave us crucified. He raises us from the the grave, from a crucifixion to a resurrection. Come on, somebody. That's a good amen place right there. So this is who Jesus is, entering into our pain. I mean, even, let me just say, even with the disciples, Even with the disciples, they were in the boat. You remember when they were in the boat and the storm came up? It had been real easy. One In one passage of Scripture, Jesus is actually in the boat with them. He's getting pelted by the rain. He's getting seasick right along with them. And then he stands up and he calms the storm. Another passage, there's a storm going on. He's on the shoreline. It would have been easy. This is the cool thing about when you get the picture of Jesus. This is a good picture of him right here. He's standing on the shoreline. It would be easy in that moment for him to go, storm be calmed. Boom, storm is calmed. He didn't do it that way. He went out into the storm. The storm is raging. The waves are raging. He goes right out into the middle of the storm, experiences with the disciples, 
and then he calms the storm. This is who Jesus is. He enters into suffering with us and then brings about a glorious resurrection. He calms storms. Romans 8, 28, real popular passage, and let's go there. Let's read that because Paul said this in, in his letter to the Romans, and we know, come on, and we know that God causes what? Everything. This includes every painful thing you've ever been through to work together for what? The good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Hey, let's just help each other right now. Just turn to somebody and say, there's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for your pain. My daughter um, took an art class this year and she made this sweet birdcage. And I love this birdcage because what this birdcage, what I love about this piece of art is it's repurposed. What, what this art project was is they had to gather scraps all around the room and in different places and bring all those scraps together and make something out of it. So she grabbed an old pie tin, she grabbed some old yarn and then some, some wire and then some kind of a, a paper clip of some sort for, for the beak and she, she put it together in this amazing this is like show and tell for me today. This is awesome. Like showing off my daughter's artwork. But this amazing piece of artwork. This is what God does for you and me. This is what he does with the pain and the struggle and the brokenness of our lives. As he goes and he takes and he gathers all the broken pieces, all the things that are discarded, all the things that the world looks at and says, well, that's useless. Your pain was useless. What a waste that was. All the things that we look at as broken and God takes those things and he brings them together and he builds us back into something beautiful and he repurposes us for his glory. This is the hope that you have with Jesus. Whatever your pain is, whatever your experience has been, wherever you've been, God can take that brokenness and he can put it back together and he can use it for his purpose and he can make it into something beautiful. Yeah. Your greatest pain can be used for God's greater purpose. Look what Paul says in verse 4. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now before we, we comfort others though, we, before we comfort others in their pain, we have to, we have to let God comfort us. Uh, when you look at, at this birdcage, I think this is such a, a picture of kind of where we are at is that God, God can redeem us. He takes all of the broken pieces and he puts us back together into something beautiful. But what can happen to you and what can happen to me is we can live in the cage and we get caged by our past. We get caged by the, the shame. We, we get caged by the, the bitterness. We get caged by the guilt. We get caged by the anger. We get caged by the unforgiveness. And we, we just get trapped there. And, and here's what happens to us. We, we either become a songbird, most of us, we either become a songbird or an angry bird. Like some of us, we become an angry bird. We're in the cage and we're trapped. You ever seen an angry bird before? Like you ever, see, you ever been at the, the, at a, in a mall parking lot and birds are f uh, fighting over like a French fry? I don't quite understand that, but they just go, rah, rah, and they're just making all this ridiculous noise. I mean, angry birds are loud and they're obnoxious. And, and some of you, 
You're angry birds, okay? You're angry about what happened to you, and you're going to make sure everybody around you knows it, and you vent that in very unhealthy ways. Eh, I'm angry. Eh, I'm bitter. Eh, I'm not going to forgive them. Eh, and that's what you sound like everywhere you go. And you're not afraid to bring it up. No matter what circle you get in, somebody can get up and they can testify to the goodness of God. And they'll give a great testimony. This is what God did for me. And you'll be like, ah, this is what happened to me. And you're stuck in the cage. God's forgiven you. He's released you. And you're still stuck in the cage. Now, some of us, some of us are songbirds. Songbirds are, are nice because songbirds, they have that, you know, they're <laughs> like you go out on a beautiful spring day and you're like, ah. Oh, And they look pretty, too, don't they? They don't look like those obnoxious crows fighting over the scraps. No, they're, they're beautiful and they're pretty. Some of us are songbirds. You came to church today. We sang all the songs. Y'all look pretty. And you're still caged. You're still locked up in a cage of your past. Nobody sees it. You don't go around going, ah! You're like... But deep inside, you're just as bitter, you're just as angry, just as resentful, you're just as unforgiving. You have shame and you have guilt that has been heaped upon you. And this is not how God created you. He created you to be free. He created you not to live in the cage. He's opened the cage and he says you can get free. This is, this is who he is. You don't have to get stuck in your past. You don't have to identify with the past you. That's not who you are. You're created anew in Christ. You're a new creation. You are a child of the living God. Turn to somebody and say, you're a child of the living God. You're a child of the living God. Paul says that God is merciful. That's what he said. God is merciful. He's a source of comfort. He can help us get past our past. So let me take just a moment. I, I want to help you with this because um, I, I got a couple other things I want to share, but I want to help you real quickly here how to get past your past, okay? And I think you need to write this down. I think it's important to get your phones out, get out your notes, whatever you need to do. This is not from a book. This is not from some seminar. This is straight gut-wrenching pain that I have been through, and I want to give you what, how I've worked through some things in my own life, how I've come out of the cage, going through some of the most difficult and darkest valleys I've ever experienced in my life. And these three things I'm going to give to you, I believe are going to help you to get free, okay? So I want you to write these down. We're going to put them on the screen, too. Let's put the first one up. This is the first one that I want you to write down. Walk through the pain. Walk through the pain. You remember when you graduated high school and, um, and, your, and your mom um, left your room the way it was? You know, like when you left and you went off to college and you came back and mom had not touched your room and you're like, that's awesome, man, I got my room back. But then you graduated college, you came back, mom still had not touched your room. You remember that? And then, and then maybe you had kids, and you came back. Mom still did not touch your room. Then your kids got old enough that they were going to graduate high school, and mom still did not touch your room. I live with that mom, by the way, because I have two older ones that have moved out. I know that experience because I've gone in. Like every one of my kids, when they graduated high school and they went off to college, I was like, sweet, I just got a man cave, baby. Cha-ching. And Lars, don't touch that room. It is sacred unto the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, Seriously? 
She's like, seriously, do not go in that room. And she shut the door, and she's like, nope, I'm not touching it. And that's how many of us are with our pain. You've had this painful experience, this difficulty in your life, and it's sitting there, and it's so difficult, you just shut the door on it because you're like, nope, I'm not going to touch it. But every time you walk by that door, you're reminded of your guilt and your shame and your anger and your bitterness and your unforgiveness. It's called a trigger, a smell. You smell something, and all of a sudden, you're right back to that event, that thing that you did or that thing that was done to you. No, I, I, can't, I can't open up that door. I can't, I, I, I can't go there. You'll hear a song. You ever hear a song on the radio, and it takes you back to that moment? Everybody else loves that song, and you despise that song because of what happened to you or what you did to somebody. You'll be watching a TV show, and something will happen on the TV show. Nobody else sees it, but you see it. It's called a trigger because you shut the door, and you never dealt with it. And you've got to open that door, and you've got to walk through it. And here's the second thing you've got to do. This is important. You've got to mourn it. You've got to mourn the pain. Like, you've got to go in there, and you've got to sit on the edge of the bed, mama. Like, that's what a mom needs to do. Go sit on the edge of the bed, just look at the kids' posters, look at the trophies, and just be like, yeah, this sucks, man. This is hard. They're gone. They're gone, and nothing's going to be the same again, man. They're gone. They're not coming back. Sitting on the edge of the bed and mourning it. I want to tell you this. You've got to sometimes go in, and you've got to sit. You gotta sit in it, you gotta look at it, you gotta take a good, hard look at it. In fact, just this morning when Laura and I were, were in the hospital room, she was in a lot, a lot of pain. And I said, Hey, just remember, this is not bad pain, this is healing pain. It's different. I want you to think of it differently, honey. You're, this pain you're in, this isn't bad pain anymore. This is healing pain that you're going through. Now, this is what I told her the hurting leads to the healing. I said, this pain you're having, you got to go through this pain, honey. You're going to have to go through the pain because on the other side of this is your healing. And I want to say that over you today. you got to go sit on the edge of the bed and you got to look at it. you got to look at what you did. you got to look at what was done to you. you got to mourn it. you got to get angry. You gotta get frustrated. You, you may have to cry. You may have to yell out in that moment. But I want to encourage you with this. And this is all just honestly out of my own pain, especially the last couple of years. This is how I've been so helped by um, counselors and friends and others. You can't sit in it. You can't just sit in the pain. You, you got to get up, and this is the third thing I want you to write down. You got to repurpose the pain. Got to repurpose it, just like this birdcage. You got to repurpose it. In other words, like the mom finally, Lara's gotten to the point. She's like, "All right, you can go in there, do your little man cave or something." And then, and then with, when Shane Shane left, she was real quick to go. You know what? That's going to become my craft room. I'm going to make that into my little princess thing, tea party room. And she just took over that room immediately, and she just repurposed it for something else. You got to take your pain and you got to repurpose it for God's glory. You got to figure out how is God going to use this in someone else's life. So I've got, I've got another thing I want to share, and we're, we're not done yet, but I, I asked the band to come because I, I think it's important before we can move forward and help people with the pain that they're in, we got to deal with our own pain. So we're going to stop. 
And I've asked the band if they would do this song, and this song is really um, very, very important to me personally. This is a song that's really, really carried me through the last couple of years of a dark valley I went through. And what I want you to do is I want you to just sit for a moment, and I want you to reflect, and I want you to let God speak to you. Open the door. Go sit on the edge of the bed for a minute, and allow God to speak to you through this song. Would you just bow your heads, or if you want, you can, this, the words will be on the screen, whatever you're comfortable doing, whatever you're comfortable doing, but let's just sit for a moment and let's let God speak over us. Father, just bring healing upon your people in this moment. We lay these things before your feet as we walk through it, as we mourn it, and now we ask you in in Jesus' name, Jesus the healer, repurpose it for your glory. Let's just seal that with a big amen. Amen. So once God heals us, he doesn't just leave us there, but he wants us to repurpose it because he wants us to use it for his glory, for his good. And I, what I hope is that God can heal your heart in the same way that he's healed mine that he would replace the hurt with hope. And Paul says this, that when we walk through the pain, repurpose it. He says in verse 4, when, when people are troubled, when they are troubled, we're going to be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Who better to help the person going through divorce than the person who's been through divorce? Who better to help the mom who suffered a miscarriage or the loss of a child better than the mom who suffered a miscarriage or the loss of a child? Who better to help the parent who's struggling with a child that is the prodigal than the parent who's had the child who's the prodigal? Who better to help the person who's been through cancer than the person who has been through cancer? Who better to help the person who's been through horrific abuse than the person who's been through abuse? That's what Paul's trying to tell us here. Because when you come alongside them and you show them that you made it, you give them hope. When you come alongside somebody and you go, yeah, I remember how much that hurt. Remember when I did that? Remember that dark valley? I remember, I remember not being able to get out of bed. But God healed me and he repurposed it. He gave me hope, he can give you hope too. That's what this whole series has been about, is as followers of Jesus, we're called to take his hope. If God has not healed you, if you're still here, you have no hope. Even as a follower of Jesus, if you're living here, you have no hope. The hope is when you escape the cage, when you fly out of the cage, and you truly fly where you are beautiful for God's glory. That's when there's hope. And when God frees you, when you get set free, when you leave your past behind, then you can bring that hope to the world. Your pain and suffering, 
God healed it. And he can use that to enter into someone else's. Started this series by asking this question, what mess in the world messes with me? Could it be that your mess just might comfort somebody in theirs? That's what this series has really been all about. God taking us and all of our brokenness and all of the pieces and all the fragments of our lives and putting us back together into something beautiful and then being set free for his glory to take that into the world. Your greatest pain can be used for God's greater purpose. Would you bow your heads and let me just pray over you today. Father, in this room, is great pain. People trapped in a cage, desperately wanting to get free. In this moment, Jesus set them free. If you're a follower of Jesus, just say, set me free. Set me free. I don't want it anymore. I accept that Jesus is my healer, and I want that hope, and I'm walking away from it. I understand that God wasn't passively watching. He was involved, and it was happening to him as it was happening to me. And if you've done things in your past to others or things that have happened in your life where you've wounded other people, God says to you, you can be forgiven. Don't stay in that cage. Fly free from that cage. It's the devil that wants to keep you in that. He wants to keep you in isolation, loneliness, depression, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. That's his cage. And today, in Jesus' name, I declare you to be free. To be free in Jesus' name. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, cast your cares before him. Give him your sin. Give him your shame. Give him your brokenness. Whatever happened to you or whatever you've done, cast it before him and say, God, forgive me. God, help me. Make me new. And in that moment that you pray that prayer, in the moment that you confess that with your lips, your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are not who you used to be. No longer do you self-identify with sin and shame. No longer do you self-identify with what happened to you. No longer are you going to self-identify with what you did because the past is dead. It is gone. It is nailed to the cross where Jesus was and he is giving you a resurrection today in the name of Jesus. May it be so. Father, we declare that today. Freedom for the captives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God another hand clap today. Come on.